Hey, what's up, everybody? It's time for another Master Passive Income Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I help people quit their jobs by investing in real estate rental properties so they never have to work a job again. That's where the income minus your expenses is positive cash flow in your pocket every single month. And that's what I want to see for you. I want to see you create a real estate rental property business so you can become successfully unemployed just like I am. Now, I am actually recording out of South Carolina. You know, if you've listened to the show before, I'm from Phoenix, but I'm in South Carolina on a four-week fantastic trip with my family going from Florida all the way up to New York and sightseeing and all the history lessons and all the stuff all the way up. Now, I am in South Carolina and in a little place called Hilton Head. Very, very beautiful. We went to the beach and played in the ocean. The Atlantic Ocean is very, very warm. But anyways... On today's show, we are going to learn how somebody became an accidental landlord. Basically bought a property, became a landlord, and now is making terrific money every single month. And this guy is a successful business owner, and I am so excited to bring him on the show with me today. Now let's start the show where we talk to another investor who became an accidental landlord and how you can too. All right, guys, let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about all aspects of real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here is your host, Dustin Heiner. All right, now we are getting started in today's show. Now, today I am in South Carolina, and this place is called Hilton Head, and we're seeing all these great historical sites like Fort Pulaski. Really, really cool to see Fort Pulaski. We're going to Fort Sumner today. Then we're going to actually drive over into Georgia, Georgia, and go to Atlanta, go see the world of Coke. There's a Cabela's there. It looks pretty awesome. But anyways, we're on our trip, started in Florida. We already went to Orlando. Savannah, Georgia. Savannah, Georgia was absolutely beautiful. Went on a riverboat cruise and saw so many great things. It was terrific. We really liked Savannah, Georgia. But now we're in Hilton Head and we are on our way up the East Coast. Our end stop will be in New York and we'll travel back down and fly out of Washington, D.C. We'll spend the last week in Washington, D.C. I am so excited to actually go through Washington, D.C. with the kids and see all the historical stuff. And if you're interested in investing in real estate rental properties, I want to show you exactly how to do that. See, the best time to learn is when you're not ready, when you're not ready to look for deals. Right now, if you think, well, I'm not ready to actually buy any properties, right now is the best time to learn because once a deal comes, it's too late to start learning. You want to start learning now so that when a deal comes, you can jump on it and seize that opportunity. So I want to have you join me for my free investor workshop. Go to freeinvestorworkshop.com. Join me there where I will show you how to create a successful real estate investing business, just like I did. Go to freeinvestorworkshop.com. Now, in today's show, like I was saying earlier, we are going to learn from somebody who became an accidental landlord. Now, what's really interesting is that this investor is very entrepreneurial. He actually says that he accidentally became entrepreneurial as well, but being entrepreneurial, as soon as you have one business, you realize it's not that hard to start another business, or you just got to be a little creative, and it's absolutely possible. And what you will learn from this investor is that he has 
other businesses that are very, very successful. So he has one called ptmoney.com. That's where he teaches people how to invest their money, how to be smart with their money. And he's successful with that site alone. Like he could literally doesn't have to work because of that website. He also is the founder of FinCon, finconexpo.com. It is a financial bloggers conference and podcasting conference that I love to go to because I love to learn how to teach better, how to use online medium to reach people, to show them how to quit their jobs. And that is a big business. His FinCon business is a big business in itself. He's also created a video production company. And like I said, I'm super excited to have him on the show. He is a terrific guy. I'm so glad I know him. And let's start the show where we talk to Philip Taylor. He goes by PT. He's an investor, a business owner. And let's listen in to see how he was able to become an accidental landlord and he will continue to build his business with rental properties. All right, let's start the show. All right, PT. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. Dustin, it's great to be here, man. So I am super excited that you are... You're, you're a businessman, you're an entrepreneur, but at the same time, you have real estate. You have, and you're, basically, like you said, I'm an accidental business owner. But anyways, before we get to that, no, not business owner, uh, rental property owner. Sort before, of an accidental business owner too, <laughs> okay. but go ahead. <laughs> so before we get to that, tell us a little bit about you. Are you know, married? Where do you live and yep. what do you like to do with your family? Yeah, I live in Frisco, Texas. Um, 43 years old, have three kids, um, enjoy it there. Met my wife there. We love it. Um, originally from North Louisiana, so I'm a Louisiana boy at heart, but uh, found Texas as quick as I could. So, um, yeah, and uh, came up, followed my father's footsteps. He was a CPA, certified public accountant, so I kind of followed that, and I'm a CPA as well. Spent 10 years doing public accounting and corporate finance, and then found blogging and in uh, and, and, and the event world. So, yeah. So you've transition from being a CPA into more teaching and the online the online space of, of educating and, and everything like that. So that's pretty neat. So what brought you from Louisiana to Texas? Was it school or? Yeah, so I had the one good job in Louisiana you can have as an accountant. <laughs> and then when I didn't like that job anymore, I'd said, all right, I guess I got to move. So just, just not much opportunity where I was at in the Shreveport, Monroe area. So moved out to Dallas, which is only three hours away and uh, bigger pastures and more opportunity. That's awesome. So you said you're, you've called yourself an accidental landlord, an accidental owner of a rental property. Tell us a little about that first process of getting that property and what happened. Because a lot of people, like when we're talking about real estate, we're saying, let's intentionally find a property to buy. Tell us about your story of becoming an accidental landlord. Yeah, so I married my wife in 2006. And uh, at that time, we decided to uh, rent a place together, and we chose a town home there in Frisco, Texas, right off the tollway. Nice, nice little place. Had three units right together. They looked real sharp. Looked like big custom homes, but it's actually three uh, townhome units. And we rented one of those uh, from a guy in New York who never, never was there, or I've talked to on the phone only, um, and sent him, a, you know, a check every month and. Um, it was kind of then I was kind of brewed on the idea, well, maybe one day this could be like something I do, you know, but we were strictly looking at renting at that point. Um, and then a couple months later, we just said, we really like this place we're renting. Why don't we buy one of these units? They were still building out the neighborhood. So they were still kind of sort of a second phase of townhomes just going up across the neighborhood. And we're like, we started looking at, the, we saw those every day almost. So we drive by them and we thought, Oh, why don't we just, we like it here, you know, why don't we just buy one of these, you know, we, we like these units. So um, we, we settled in on one and we, and we made the purchase, um, we made the decision to buy and then we put some money down. Um, 
and and uh, so we had to wait six or seven months to actually you know see the house the, the town hall being completed so that was kind of how we got into it it was it was right after being married and decided this where we wanted to be and maybe start the whole family thing uh, didn't have kids yet but um, thought maybe this would be a good place to start so um, in the back of my mind I thought this might be a good property to rent out again because I was referencing the guy who was you know a remote in landlord York, yeah. for me I was like oh that's, that kind of played on my potential entrepreneurial dreams you know in the future and so kind of saw myself in a potential um, in his footsteps so uh, so yeah that that's kind of what led us to make that first decision so we actually bought stepped into the the town home as homeowners in September of 2007 oh man right at the peak of things <laughs> yes, it was so, and I, and our uh, and our uh, our our land or not a landlord our realtor did not really help us with like negotiating um, that back down, or we were kind of we felt like we were just kind of like stuck to buy it, you know. So we bought it, and almost like within a couple of months, like Zillow told us our home was worth like thirty thousand less than you know. That's probably only the start too. We, we had bought it for yeah, and and so long story short, you know, um, th- that eventually went down to about sixty thousand less, you know, and started climbing back up and. And in, uh, in 2012, we had, at that point, we had two kids. And the, we were the middle unit in, in this thing. So we didn't have really a yard at all. Um, the yard was taken care of by the, by the HOA, which is nice. We really didn't even have a yard. So um, long story short, we decided that we would uh, move, move to a place that had, um, had, had greener pastures and had a little bigger yard there. So just across town um and so my first thought was let's sell this thing and then move into the new thing and then i started to run the numbers and look and below and behold it's still worth like twenty thousand uh, maybe like ten or fifteen thousand less than what we had bought it for at that point well maybe it'd come back more but after realtor fees it was going to be certainly eaten like ten thousand and what year was that 2012 okay so things had bounced back a, a little, little bit, bit but yeah. not really and so that's kind of where we found ourselves to make this decision whether we sell or like I said, so we lose of, money. Sort of being yeah. forced to become like a landlord. So yeah. I'll stop there. And if you have additional questions, yes, go for it. <laughs> so from there, did you buy a new place and move out of this one? How did you, how did that work out? Because you have to have a sufficient income to you know have two mortgages. You know, if you're going to try to get a mortgage, tell us about that. Yeah. So to, I guess to add more complication to the story, uh, I had left the corporate world and started blogging full time back in 2010. So I was two years into being a solopreneur and having, you know, uh, having a blog as your job, as your income. Um, and banks are like, what? What does what it do you guys exactly do? Um, but we did go through, um, was it Rocket Mortgage or Quicken Loans or whatever. And lo and behold, after going through tons and tons of paperwork and back and forth and tax returns, they were satisfied you know the blog was making pretty decent income um, I just started FinCon so I showed a little I believe I showed a little income coming from that as well um, and so you know I guess they just didn't have a problem with me moving that direction so ultimately we said well why don't we maybe hold on to this thing you know and turn it into a rental property uh, and, and again back in my mind I always thought that was a possibility but now sort of forced to do it and I said okay well, we'll maybe rent it out for a year until the property comes back up and then we'll maybe sell it, you know. And here we are six years later, seven years later from that point, and we still have the property. That's awesome. So you moved out of the one, 
moved into the other, and you kept this one as a rental property. Are you managing yourself? Do you have somebody else manage it for you? Yeah. So because I'm a, I'm a blogger, I wanted to document the whole experience. <laughs> and to beef that up to make it more interesting, I decided to do everything myself pretty much. So um, I went through, you know, the, the moving process. I went through, um, you know, getting the new mortgage on the, the new place. And then, of course, with the old place, I started the process of cleaning it up um, and getting it ready to rent. So we did a few things, but not much. Repainted some stuff, and it was, it was still a new home. It's it had only new, been, yeah. been built in 20, 2007. Um, so it was pretty much ready to go. So did a little bit of cleanup, little, a few repairs, um, and then got it ready for the market. Put it on the market and, uh, and advertised it with a few places. I think Zillow and a few other places early. You know, you could kind of list it for free. Yeah. Craigslist even. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think Zillow maybe dumped it over to Craigslist for me. But put it out there. And, it, you know, it was just at a time where people really moving into the area and excited to see this property on the market. Um, so then With I was your like, phone number to call you to yeah, see yeah, the property? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I started taking phone numbers and I was like, okay, now what do I do with these people? You know, like how do I evaluate? So I had to research the whole process of, you know, background checking check their back, doing the background check. check and credit, credit check. And my, because it was a townhome and a it's pretty strict HOA, there was a lot of regulation in that, those, those terms with the HOA of the, of the unit there that I had to do background checks and I had to vet. And the scary thing was, was that there was this weird clause in the HOA where it said basically they only are going to rent out, they need to keep 70% of the homes in the neighborhood as home owner, owner, owner occupied. Home. Yeah. Owner occupied. And I was like, I don't know what number you're at right now. How do I know? <laughs> what number? So I emailed the people and they're like, as of right now, you're within the percentage. So you can rent your home out, but we still need to see the background checks and all this stuff. They so have to. They, the HOA had that in the. They had to see to, that I ran I, that I ver that I did some of that. Okay. Yeah. So I cleared that hurdle. Um, I uh, I figure it's I, better. Pausing that thought, it's better than I had. I interviewed one uh, person who he literally had an HOA that said you cannot rent. Wow. And it was just after he bought the property. Oh my god. He was gosh. buying it to rent it out and then he bought the property, going to start renting it out. HOA said no. Oh, so he had no. to sell it. Anyways, oh, long story no. short, it was bad. So continue with the HOA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, went through the process of, 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 of vetting folks um, and sort of took a, um, the, where I landed with the vetting process was not to do a first, uh, you know, first in sort of, you know, that, that's who gets it sort of, or, or what I tried to do is basically just create a standard for my evaluation, right? That's what they say. For, I, I'm not a legal expert, but from what I understand is it to meet sort of federal regulations and state regulations in terms of treating people fairly. Oh, not discrimination. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. So I just tried to create a standard process for how I evaluated people, regardless of who I ultimately gave it to. As long as I treated them, went, they all went through the same process. I, I did background checks on all of them. I required a, a holding deposit for all of them. You know, the, treated everyone the same. Ultimately, I, I found a great tenant, and uh, and they got you know moved into the home. Um, figured out how to put together a lease, so I researched that myself. And I have a, a lawyer buddy I took out to lunch, and I, and he he's actually a landlord too. So I kind of ran the lease by him, just to kind of make sure it. Oh, lunch is up. a cheap cheap yeah. uh, law, law advice. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. <laughs> Uh, I would not advise that, maybe. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was close to this guy. So, 
Um, and, and then, you know, let the person move in. And, uh, you know, since then it's been all about collecting rent, figuring out how, how best to do that with people. Um, you know, when to come in, sort of when they're ready to move out or if they're moving out early or if I need to re-up with them, um, how to go through those processes. So I've just kind of taken this learn as a, as a go process with it. I've documented on the blog so you can kind of sort of see like all these 10 steps I've gone through as the as this accidental landlord to uh, to figure these things out and I've shared them kind of along the way uh, along with my you know the actual numbers of how it's done you know how, so do you still have the same tenants in there or have they changed over they've changed over I think this is my fourth tenant in seven years that's so, not bad yeah it hasn't been bad now it's it's bad if it's like your eighth tenant in seven years or ninth that's right because you just start losing money I don't say losing money it's just eats in your passive income so then you said you kept the numbers. So before we get there, um, I want to know, because the end profit is obviously we want to have as much end profit as possible. Fair enough, yeah. So with the expenses, tell us a little bit about your expenses that you have now. Obviously, HOA fee, mortgage right now, things like that. But you don't have a property manager fee, so that's something right. obviously to account for. But tell us about your expenses. Yep. Okay, so my expenses are my mortgage payment, right? So I pay about $10,108 a year in mortgage payments. Um, I pay property taxes, and taxes are pretty high. So I pay seventy three hundred in property taxes. Oh my! So I have <laughs> I have a property in Houston that I did I I checked the county taxes. I'm like, oh great, county taxes are fourteen hundred dollars. I didn't realize no like my realtor nobody told me that there was going to be a city tax for the schools, which is like twenty six hundred dollars. That it ate into my passive income huge. I I had a good buffer, so it I still make over three hundred dollars per month on that property. But yeah, you could definitely need to double check and triple check those taxes. <laughs> seventy seventy how much do you pay a year? Seventy three hundred. Seventy three hundred dollars yep. in taxes. Yep. And that's uh, so. Just to clarify, backing up for everybody, the property we purchased brand new for two hundred and five thousand dollars. We put twenty percent down. And then it was, uh, like I said, worth ten thousand less. So, but what is that? One ninety-five or so. Whenever we, whenever we went to the new unit, um, and then, uh, so, so what I did was, I sort of calculated. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. How I sort of calculated the uh, some of the numbers in terms of trying to evaluate it. Um, but oh, back to the expenses. So ten thousand for the mortgage payment, seventy-three hundred for the property taxes, twenty-one hundred for HOAs. What? HOAs were. They used to be uh, 175 a month. What is that? What is that now? One. Yeah, it's, it's even more than that now because I think it changed halfway through the year last year. So 2100 in HOA dues. Remember, they mow my non-grass outside for free. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got an insurance policy for a thousand dollars a year. It's not bad in Texas. And it's yeah. equivalent to a condo policy, though. Okay. Because it again, the HOA has got the insurance on the outside. Got Which it. is why the HOA fee is a little higher. Yeah, but. I get it. So, um, and then last year I did only 150 bucks in repairs. That's so that's not bad. No. Um, that was an air conditioning checkup we did. And then we did have, um, last year we did kind of have a, a, a flood in the unit. <laughs> kind of. But, but, but insurance took care of replacing the floors. Oh, so okay. So I actually kind of came out ahead on that piece. Nicer floors maybe? Yeah. So Hopefully. total expenses yeah. last year were 19776 Okay. Yeah. And how much are you renting it for? We are renting it for $2,175. So was that like $4,000 profit? So, and, we, and we upped it by 25 bucks in last July. So okay. total, total rents collected last year was $24,085. Yeah. So $24,000. Almost $5,000 then? So almost five, four and a half on the, uh, yeah. on, the, on the cash flow for the year. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So 
if you were to manage the, or you are managing the property, if he hired a property manager, how much yeah. would that eat into the passive income? Well, you know more than me. I haven't even researched what property managers More are. than likely, I found Texas, they have flat fees, so it might be like $100 a month. Okay. Yeah, because if it's 10%, that's $210 a month. That's a lot of money. I, I would be balking if I wanted to, somebody wanted to be, me to pay that much. But usually it's about $100 flat fee that, okay. they, that they usually charge. So just take out 100 bucks and you're still, still pocketing really well. I'm, it's, it'd be like 3500 That might be worth it. Because I'm sort of tired of, of, of the calls r randomly when I'm away. My tenants have been really great, and it's a really efficient unit. But inevitably, I'll be in Portland or in Orlando like we are today, and yeah. ultimately it's like, ring, ring, ring. Can you come over and fix this thing? So, and we have we have this, this thing that needs to be repaired. Or a lot of people say, well, the 2 a.m. phone calls, I don't want to get those. Well, I, I have all my properties, I don't worry about it because my property manager gets those calls. And so, yes, absolutely. And so for me, just my time, I could build my business more or do other things that I want to do because I have a property manager. It might be worth it. And it's certainly if I think if I got additional units, I would definitely seek that out. But yeah. for now, I'm good. I think yeah. I'm good. So maybe when I pay off the mortgage and the cash flow is really big, maybe I'll kind of perceive it differently. Yeah. Yeah. You, if, if you are wanting to grow, actually, that's more of the question. Are you looking to get any more properties? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts? Are you thinking beyond single-family homes or yeah. syndications or something else? I've waffled back and forth on this through the years, kind of looking at other properties in my area, looking at doing remote properties with people, um, looking at syndication. Um, ultimately, I just settled on some real estate crowdfunding opportunities. So I'm utilizing right now Pier Street to invest $1,000 at a time into um, into rental properties and refinances that way. Got so, it. Because, yeah. well, this and I, I'm an accredited investor, so I can participate. You in, can, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, th yeah, you have to be a accredited investor. There's plenty of different things in order to be a accredited investor that you have to go through. So on top of the rental properties, um, you have other businesses, correct? Like where I met you was through FinCon. It's a financial bloggers conference. And so with my podcast, with and this is where I'm at, we're at literally at podcast movement right now, uh, just because I want to get better at my craft. I want to be better at doing that and serving, serving everybody listens. So tell us a bit about FinCon and your other businesses that you have, because I mean, you're entrepreneurial. I mean, it's, it's fantastic hearing everything that you're doing. Yeah, well, it's been a, it's been a one side hustle after, you know, after the next that have kind it of turns into a big business. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, yeah, well, I'm a very, um, I think risk averse guy. So thus I go into the accounting world, you know, followed my safe dad's footsteps and I respect that profession. I love that I have that certification, but I ultimately knew I needed there's something slightly different I needed to do than, than the path my dad had chosen and the path that traditional accountants and CPAs take. So just hadn't figured out what that was yet. And whenever I would do tax returns for people and look at their businesses, I'd always find myself saying, oh, it'd be cool to run this business or this would be a fun business to run. I could see how I could scale this, you know. Um, and, I, and I asked my one of the partners at the firm that one time, I was like, do you get excited about looking at these other businesses? And they're like, nope, I love, <laughs> I love doing what I'm doing. I would love looking at the other businesses. Yeah, and, and I was like, yeah. okay, well, that's a signal that I probably should go find a, go, a business to go run, you know. Uh, but I stumbled upon financial blogging just from a personal standpoint. I was looking for help when it was kind of around that same time when I was buying that first home. You know, I was getting serious about, just got married, just getting serious about my money. And so I found these people online talking about money in a way I'd never heard it being talked about. Even Dave Ramsey or David Bach, who I was kind of reading at the time, they didn't get personal with it, you know, really. And so uh, to, 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 un to see the details behind these folks' real personal finances, 
um, was very enlightening to me and challenging to me. And so I took it upon myself to really raise the bar for what I expected of myself from a financial standpoint. Started following them religiously. Every day I would go to their blogs and check it out and just consume their content, looking for the next savings rate or way to max out my retirement savings. Or It was a little before FIRE was there, but it was sort of budding some of those concepts. Of well, it's a lot before FIRE was there. Yeah, FIRE is relatively yeah, new. Yeah. How, can you, how can you fast track some of this stuff you know, and, uh, and maximize your potential? And so after a few years of being inspired with that, um, I guess I got... I consumed enough, and they say once you consume enough, you'll start creating something. Hopefully it's a good thing you're putting out there into the world, but that's what happened to me. Um, I was interested in the Internet and participating on some level. This was in 2007, so I wanted to kind of be a part of that growth and do something with it, and a personal finance blog was kind of the medium I chose, and started writing terrible articles <laughs> online that no <laughs> one read. Yes, exactly, we all do. <laughs> but then I started meeting these other bloggers. It, it kind of gave me an excuse to start reaching out to them in person and talk shop with them and say, okay, I like that article you did. Like, what do you think about this one? And maybe we could do an article where we talk about the same thing. And we started just workshopping and then we would go to other events and meet each other. And before you know it, my blog was really kind of blossoming and taking off. In 2010, it reached a point to where it was about two thirds of what I was making with my corporate career. And so I talked to my wife and I was like, I think it's time, you know, I think it's time to kind of make a move to this thing and let the corporate thing just go and Maybe keep it in this, you know, in the, I'm a CPA for life. So it's like, I can always go back, I feel like, to that. So um, I was like, let's give this blogging thing a try. And we had just had our, our first baby, and she was a year old. And uh, my wife, for whatever reason, was just like totally ready to roll with it. And we did it. And I was like, we'll test it out for six months. And uh, she less risk averse than you, or more? Even more so. More so. Even more so, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I had to kind of push her into that, but uh, once we jumped in, she, you know, believed in it, me, and um, was kind of along for the ride. So um, the checks started coming, thankfully. <laughs> we, we learned how to grow the, the business. I monetized my blog through affiliate marketing and display ads primarily. And so traffic kept increasing to the site, and we got more advertising partners, and um, things just kind of blossomed from there. A year later, I needed another side hustle, I guess. So that's when I founded the idea of FinCon. Again, coming from this idea that these other bloggers, uh, other folks doing what I was doing, were really critical for me to grow my own business. And so I wanted just to double down on that. And, and, and uh, my intention necessarily wasn't to have a big conference initially or to make that necessarily a financial part of, big part, part of my portfolio. But uh, I'd been to other conferences and I'd gotten excited about them and I thought I understood the business enough, you know, to go do it. So I put it out there. I said, I'm going to be the guy to throw this party, you know. Um, and it's been one of the best moves I've ever made. So because that business now, FinCon now, nine years later, has surpassed what we're doing with PT Money by uh, almost triple at this point. So from top line revenue standpoint. So and, and in terms of impact, it's just blown PT Money out of the water because not only do I get to reach you face to face but then you turn around and you reach your audience with you know the impact that our community has together so it's exciting you know um and both businesses have been challenging to grow through the years i don't want to make it sound easy you know nine year overnight success here <laughs> but uh, but both businesses are interesting to me and i'll and i'm willing to it's like legos for me you know i'm willing to sit down and spend lots of time creating them and building and putting things together and tearing it down, putting them, you know, and figuring out kind of what works. So 
I think if I didn't really enjoy that, I wouldn't have found success in this because I'm really not that good of a marketer, to be honest with you, or a salesperson. But I just really enjoy this community and, and uh, certainly building this type of business. So it's uh, it's like getting up and playing every day. You know? Well, so. it definitely shows. I went to FinCon in 2017 in Dallas, and that was a lot of fun because I got to meet people that I – because I was – doing my blog and podcasts. I was just doing all that stuff in, the, in by myself. I didn't think like you. Maybe I should reach out to people. I just kept doing it because I, I wanted to help people. And But then finding FinCon and meeting so many people that just want to help people, it's just it's terrific. I really, really love the ability to help so many more people. And so same thing like with you, just networking and working with other people, getting ideas, um, all that good stuff. Same thing with like with real estate. The more, more I talk about real estate, the more people come around me and then want to talk about real estate and work together and all that sort of stuff. So I think it's exciting, everything that you've done. So if would you, the next step after, uh, was it the, the funding, crowdfunding site? I can't remember, what was it called? Pier Street. Be outside of that, are you still thinking maybe sometime in the future investing? Yeah, I think I think if I ultimately got like a if one of my businesses, uh, you know, had a partnership or an acquisition down the road, I think I would probably instead of taking all that money into the S and P, I'd probably take some of it and put more into real estate. Well, as you can see, literally right now, like today, it tanked like six hundred and. 20 points or something like that. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You didn't know? No. Yes. No. Sorry to tell you. So I literally <laughs> got all my money out of stocks like a long time ago. Not saying it's anybody, everybody should do this. This is what I did. I put it all in real estate and I can see real estate coming in my way. Plus I get passive income. And so sure. stock markets, like the next day it could be literally gone. And I was like, I don't like that. And so I put everything inside of real estate. So I, I, if, if you ever want help, I'll definitely be there for you. So. Okay. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. I, uh, I am attracted to the real estate game uh, or the, the study of real estate. And so I certainly have dabbled in it now with this accidental property and have enjoyed it. And I could see how that could scale for me, certainly. Um, I also like the crowdfunding aspect of it, though, too. So the hands-off is great. Yeah. Syndication is really, really good because you're an investor. And it's more so than crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is a lot of, not to say limitations. Yeah. You don't make as much money as in syndication. Right, so that's you're a what I've heard. Investor. Yeah, oh, oh, so much. And I guess the way I've perceived it through the years is that, the again, the toys I'm playing with down the ground, the Legos I've got, are all about this conference and are about the, uh, you know, the blog. And so maybe the, the toys I have up on the shelf are kind of the real estate and the S&P and, and some of these things that are, you know they're still producing and they're part of the whole portfolio, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna create something beautiful with it because I'm just not tinkering with it. You know, and you tinker with real estate, you love it, and that's why you can create amazing things with it. And so I think for me, I've perceived myself as like not quite there with real estate yet, but I think like I said, once I maybe put something else on the shelf, maybe maybe I'll pull that down and play with it some more. So that's awesome. Well. PT, it's fantastic having you on the show. So you have a number of different ways that people can get a hold of you, but what's the best way if they want to obviously see what you did with your side, your your yeah. um, your one property, all the good ins and outs and everything about it? Like, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so I did a whole real estate series on my blog at ptmoney.com. If you would just go there and search for my uh, my cash flow analysis of our land of our of our townhome there, you'll see all the numbers through the years. Um, a good example um, for you if you're looking to do a similar thing. Um, I'm also you know over at FinConExpo.com if you're interested in the event, if you're a creator like us, or if you're just a consumer who's really geeked out about personal finance or this investing and entrepreneurship stuff, and you want to come hang out with folks like Dustin and I. 
come uh, come to the event. So and I'm, I'm definitely at the event. I mean, I'm, I try to make myself as available as possible because I just love meeting new people and just seeing what they're doing. It's just it's intriguing for me, but then at the same time, I learn so much. I just, I just want to keep learning from everybody. So, well, good, PT. Thank you very much for being on the show. Pleasure being on, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Now, wasn't that super awesome where we got to listen to PT as he built his business, he built his rental property business, and now he's realizing, man, I can make so much money and not do a thing with real estate. And if you're interested in investing in real estate rental properties, I want to show you exactly how to do that. See, the best time to learn is when you're not ready, when you're not ready to look for deals. Right now, if you think, well, I'm not ready to actually buy any properties, right now is the best time to learn because once a deal comes, It's too late to start learning. You want to start learning now so that when a deal comes, you can jump on it and seize that opportunity. So I want to have you join me for my free investor workshop. Go to freeinvestorworkshop.com. Join me there where I will show you how to create a successful real estate investing business just like I did. Go to freeinvestorworkshop.com. Now, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for being here. All right, guys, we'll see you. You guys take care of yourselves. I'll probably be in Georgia next time you guys hear from me. You guys take care of yourselves. See ya. See ya.